Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome to Nuggets Numbers. I am your host, Ryan Blackburn. have a really special episode for you guys today. Really excited to introduce my next guest. He is Bleacher Report's own and NBA math creator, uh, Mr. Adam Fromel. How are you doing, sir? Doing great, Ryan. Uh, really thrilled to be here with you tonight. How are you doing? Uh, doing great. Uh, really enjoyed uh, watching the Lakers kind of run into the brick wall that is the Nuggets lately. Uh, that was... Uh, that was an enjoyable game. We are recording this on a Tuesday night following the Nuggets win over the Los Angeles Lakers to kind of have the perspective of that game. Adam, uh, quick thoughts on on that contest right off the bat. Yeah, I think we had talked about how we expected to be recording this after a win. I don't think either of us expected a 32-point blowout. Uh, that was uh, quite the impressive performance. Again, Jamal Murray had those moments in the first half and I, I think it's a good thing that Jokic didn't even have to get on the on the floor in the fourth quarter like that's that's a great sign against a, a, a potential Western Conference playoff team 100% uh it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really big uh especially for this this series in particular between the Lakers and the Nuggets uh Nuggets dropped the first one at LA uh that was that was big simply because the Nuggets and Lakers only play three times this year so having having a an advantage over the Lakers in the head-to-head column for two teams that I expect to be jockeying position in the playoff picture. That's a that is a big deal. But we will get into that game a little bit later as well. Uh, as you, the listeners of Nuggets Numbers, know, I lead off every podcast with a segment called Guess the Nugget. Uh, I will be asking Mr. Adam from all over here. Uh, different hints about the Nuggets uh, and they are their players over the course of the past few games. Uh, in particular, I'll be asking him to guess. Uh, he gets one hint and one guess. Uh, I will give him three hints and hopefully he gets this player and we will talk about that player soon after. So, Adam, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm a little worried since you said it was going to be a bit harder than in previous episodes, but we'll see how this goes. <laughs> Honestly, I, I tell everybody that, so we will see if I we'll see if I put that into practice this time. So, without further ado, your first hint is that this is one of six Nuggets players that is averaging double digit scoring this season. All right, so let's go ahead and go with uh, Paul Millsap then, right off the bat. Uh, not 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 Paul Millsap this time. Uh, he is one of the six. Uh, turns out though, not the guy that I'm looking for. Uh, guess number or hint number two. He is this player is tied for the team lead in steals per game. I feel like I should know it at this point, but um, Jamal Murray. 
Uh, incorrect. Incorrect. Uh, trying to trying to leave it as vague as possible for that reason. Uh, I want to get to my third hint. Uh, <laughs> and this player has started every game the Nuggets have played this season. Started every game they've played this Tied for the lead in steals. It could it be Jokic? It is. Does he have that many steals at this point? It is Nikola Jokic. Awesome. You got him. Uh, I, I know Given it's... my affinity it's... for him, I should have known that sooner. <laughs> Well, I know you know the TPA score right off the bat, so I uh, wanted to give something a little bit more challenging. Uh, Nikola Jokic, he's uh, he's averaging 1.4 steals per game, which is actually tied with Millsap for the team lead. Uh, he, like Millsap, has started every game, so got Millsap out of the way right there quickly. But let's talk about Nikola Jokic, because I feel like he's a really fascinating player for this season especially uh, per game numbers so far he's averaging 16.6 points per game 9.9 rebounds per game and 7.2 assists uh, what surprises you about those nuggets so f- about those numbers so far if anything I think the the biggest surprise is just that he's not boring quite as much, uh, especially coming off the, the stretch run of the last season where he really took it upon himself to carry, or, to carry a heavier offensive burden. Uh, I, I expected that to bleed over into this season, and just some of the hesitation to shoot, whether it's from the perimeter or really anywhere else on the court, has caught me by surprise, and I, I think that's for the Nuggets this season, is how can they get the best out of him without forcing him to play a style that's uncomfortable. Sure, absolutely. Um, uh, some of the some of the field goal percentage numbers and, and shooting percentages are are a little bit lower than you would expect. Thirty one point five percent from three, forty seven point four percent from the field. Those are both career lows at this point. Gone through a little bit of a shooting slump of late, but in in that stead, he's really upped his passing. Uh, Seven point two assists per game is frankly bonkers for a center position. This like in this day and age uh even and even going back all time honestly uh 7.2 assists per game would rank third all time for centers last year's total of 6.1 ranks fourth uh he has the three best assist percentages of all time for a center in in a single season this year it's up over 36 percent which is absurd it's in line with the best point guards in the nba the like along the lines of a James Harden or even a LeBron James kind of facilitator. Uh, and that's where he's really excelled this year. He's He's been the Nuggets' focal point in terms of getting the ball to him and having him make great decisions. And simply by doing that, he has helped the Nuggets to a top 10 offensive rating, even while the shooting percentages haven't necessarily been there. Yeah, I think in a lot of ways, he's kind of becoming his own archetype of a player like we've seen passing centers before Wes Unseld with his outlet passes Arvidas Sabonis was probably Jokic before Jokic but I'm not sure we've ever seen an offense run so thoroughly through a, a true center quite to this extent so it's it's been interesting to watch how they strike that balance and as as that responsibility grows I think that also plays into some of those shooting I look at his mid-range shooting especially. It seems like he's trying to take those less frequently than ever in favor of trying to keep the ball moving around within the half-court set. And I'm not sure that's always a good thing. As as 
as much as we don't like mid-range shooting in, in today's analytics-driven game, he shot 45% on mid-range jumpers or something something right around that last year. And, and this year, with the frequency plunging, we're seeing the percentages dip maybe from a lack of rhythm. So I think those are, are, are kind of part and parcel here. It definitely makes sense. Uh, that's that's one of the criticisms that I've had uh, over his time is is he is sometimes his brain is just too too smart for his own good. He can he's running the percentages of of the the estimated value added of those individual shots in real time. Uh, he he really does have an artist's brain, uh, kind of backed up by the human calculator that is finding the best shot available. Uh, you touched on it a little bit there. Uh, has there any been? Has there ever been another player like Jokic in NBA history? No, I don't. I don't think so. I'm sure we we could find some examples of big guys who are kind of creating role off the bench, but not quite to this extent where he's doing so with the usage of a superstar. I, there really aren't statistical comparisons, as you mentioned, with the assist percentage for centers and just. Anecdotally, you don't see guys who are lumbering up the court and, and looking to facilitate and then also running the show um, from the L. Things that he does, we, we really just haven't seen. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the one of the references that I would give for Nuggets fans, NBA fans out there, is just is five thirty eight does a a great player kind of comparison page. Uh, they have a they do a valuation of of how how valuable not only uh, money wise but also just just skill wise and and estimating their total wins added on the year. Uh, how much how much better they make their teams and at the bottom of that page they have a comparison chart. Which kind of tracks the the career arc of players and Nikola Jokic. When you pull his up, uh, there's no player that's that's similar to him. The only player that gets a a similarity score close to his is 33, and that and that's Alvin Adams. Um, you see, usually usually when using that page, you'll find if you if you search any other player like Jamal Murray, for example, the the most frequent or the most statistically similar player is Bradley Beal from a young age and which makes sense uh, they're both kind of scoring guards who who can pass the ball a little bit and and kind of have a similar profile in in how they score from and from what age they score but that's that's the similarity score that they have is over 50 and Jokic's is under under 40 and, and nobody is even close to matching the the all-around excellence of what he's doing at such a young age kind of in in the way that he's doing it so thought that was really interesting mention advanced metrics there uh is there anything in his passing or maybe not just his passing but anything in his statistical profile in general that has him loved by so many advanced metrics that you could point out yourself different things that he does because a lot of box score Metrics, uh, the TPA stat that we use on on NBA Math, uh, VORP, uh, things along those lines tend to be a little bit inflate. Players excel as both rebounders and assist men. We just don't tend to see that combination of stats quite as frequently. So the fact that he's so adept in both of those areas really boosts his profile and makes him so beloved. So many of these different stats. For sure, uh, I think. 
a couple of years ago, you saw the same thing with Russell Westbrook, actually, uh, during his MVP season, where he's just uh, kind of breaking advanced statistics, if, if you will, just by how frequently he was passing the ball to to his teammates and how many rebounds he was getting from the point guard position while putting up as many shots as he was. So I uh, think that's pretty interesting. So at the time of recording this, uh, TPA has Jokic listed at third behind LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, Box Plus Minus has him at first overall, and Real Plus Minus on ESPN has him at fifth behind Marc Gasol, James Harden, Paul George, who I thought was a pretty interesting surprise there, and Anthony Davis. Uh, just, just kind of a, a very interesting range of metrics that all really agree on what Jokic is doing in the NBA right now. Uh, do you think there's a stigma against Jokic and that that's still carried over to this day about how well he does in advanced statistics, but not necessarily visually uh, in terms of kind of the common NBA fan. Absolutely. And I, I think a lot of that also stems from, you know, people, people like me who tend to be a little bit pushy about how good he is because the numbers say how good he is when in reality, he, he is a player where there shouldn't be, a dichotomy between the eye test and the advanced metrics because if you do take the time to watch him play eye test with flying colors he's a different player he's uh he's not your uber athletic modern new age nba nba standout but he's so effective and it's it's pretty clear seeing that whether it's his shooting touch around on the basket or the assist that he makes both in transition and when the game slows down on the rare occasions that it does in, in 2018 so it's it's tough because the reputation now precedes him that he is a numbers only guy and i think there's a lot of confirmation bias in play even though really everything everything should agree and point towards his the better players in the in, in the in the entire nba i would i would definitely agree with that uh i think one of the reasons is th- the reason that i can come up with just kind of an on-court reason is not only does he he sometimes struggle to to shoot and really take over games, but his defense for a long time was a, a point of contention among fans. Uh, just visually wasn't really looking like he was getting the job done. Uh, that kind of differed from the advanced metrics for sure. Uh, from watching him this year, uh, from kind of observing what the numbers are looking like with him on the floor, do you see an improvement from him on defense this season, or is that just a kind of an aberration in the stats, do you think? No, he's absolutely an improved defender. Some of it stems from nuggets are running where they're asking him to hedge a little bit harder on the perimeter rather than dropping back into space, but he also just looks quicker. He's able to, to stay in front of more people. He moves his feet a bit more nimbly. So he's, he's definitely passing the eye test there as well. But I also think that it's important to note that a lot of advanced metrics have have always pegged him as a surprisingly adept defender, by no means a defensive player of the year candidate or a, a true stop of the defense, but he's always done a lot of things better than expected on that end because we have such a tendency as, as basketball observers to focus on the ball. And so we see that he's susceptible to getting beat off the bounce, and we see that he has trouble protecting the rim and playing above the rim, but 
it's it's easy to miss that he's always been an intelligent and, and recognizing assignments and rebounding after a missed shot, which is such a crucial part of the overall defensive profile. So, for example, the Nuggets have always been better on defense with him on the floor, and that's a trend we're seeing continue this year as he's become even more of a focal point in the schemes. So I think he's improved, but he's starting from a higher base than people realized heading into the year. 100%. Uh, lots, lots to digest there. Uh, lots that I agree with for sure. Uh, going forward from Jokic, maybe for the rest of the season, what do you what do you think the Nuggets can expect from Jokic for the rest of the season? And and then if if we've got some time, what do you what do you think Nuggets fans can expect from Jokic in his prime? In terms of, is this the kind of Jokic that we're going to see going forward, or are there certain improvements or differences that Nuggets fans may be looking for? definitive answer to that question, but I have a hunch that we're going to see kind of a tug of war between the two different Jokic styles for much of the year. We'll see some stretches like we've, we've witnessed over the last couple of weeks where he takes on a more passive role, uh, not really asserting himself as a scorer, turning down shots in favor of trying to set up his teammates, and then we'll see some stretches where he's going to throw up 30 points shots for a couple nights in a row. Um, I think so much of this season is feeling out what makes this team the best. They, they know they have a pretty high floor with the wealth of talent on the roster and, and led by a player with the production of a superstar, even if he isn't quite getting that type of national recognition yet. And it's trying to figure out which iteration is going to go to the highest ceiling. So I, I don't think there's any one way to easily answer that question of what to expect from him so much as expecting to see a, a bunch of different versions throughout the year. Good stuff. It seems like seems to me that he really wears a lot of different hats for this team, especially right now he's wearing the, the facilitator hat just because the Nuggets are, are struggling a little bit to, to create their own offense when he's not the focal point. Uh, so good stuff there. Uh, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, want to talk a little bit about Adam's site, NBA Math. All right, we are back, ladies and gentlemen. I have Adam Fromo on the program today. Nuggets numbers, really excited about this episode. Uh, wanted to talk about NBA math. Uh, it's a pet project that, that Adam has been working on for a while now. Has a, If you're unfamiliar with it, NBA math, it's a new website with great NBA, WNBA data. Uh, the major metric that people are mostly familiar with on on NBA math is total points added, TPA. Uh, that's in my regular rotation for metrics that I check uh, when I'm trying to figure out if there's a, a player that's doing really well or a player that's undervalued or, or p- perhaps overvalued by the general public. Uh, but I'm going to turn it over to Adam really quickly. just wanted to see if you could give me an explanation, give the audience an explanation of what NBA math is and what kinds of tools and resources the website provides right now. Yeah, when I, when I originally – well, first of all, thank you for the kind words about it. That's, that's very much appreciated. 
and, and when I like when I first started this uh, a couple years ago now, it was really just a tool to kind of inform people as best I could with the numbers that I built up in, in various Google Sheets hosted databases over the years. And I wasn't really quite sure what it would become. I think today we're we're primarily focused on some of the different tools that we have on the website, which aren't necessarily as widely used by the public, whether it's rolling team ratings that, that how a team is performing now versus any point in their history dating back to 1985 or the FATS calculator that, that shows comparisons to different historical teams. So we have a lot of cool stuff like that if you go and, and check out the site. Um, the biggest public-facing thing for sure, as you mentioned, has been TPA. We want to use this to, to say that we really don't intend for TPA to be used as gospel so much as a baseline. It, it ultimately is a limited stat given that it's derived solely from box score statistics. And there are better things out there. Um, Jacob Goldstein, for example, has PIPM, which I love and is definitely a use. I really like TPA because of the visual element, as you can see from the tweets that the NBA math handle puts out. Just the ability to contextualize what a player is doing on both ends of the court, even if it is only a baseline, and is valuable. It allows us to go pretty far back into NBA history with comparisons. So ultimately, like to sum all of that up, it, it's pretty much been the goal to, to help elevate the conversation and inform the public as best we can using the numbers that we have, which are publicly accessible. You touched really briefly on the on the visual mapping that that you do with the with players and teams in the NBA, uh, in that kind of grid style. I don't know if you were the one to create it, but you certainly were the one to popularize it in today's kind of basketball Twitterverse uh, format. It's it's a it's a great format. I I love looking at that just because it can show different trends that numbers don't necessarily pop out on uh, when you're looking at, at a table of, of RPM on ESPN or uh, or if you're trying to just do do a little bit of research, that is a great way to visualize to fans that, hey, there there are some merits to this. And when you look at it from kind of a visual scale as opposed to just looking at the numbers themselves, you can say, okay, this person has really excelled on offense or defense. This team has really excelled on offense or defense, or the, or they are maybe overstepping their bounds of, of their reputation a little bit. So I wanted to give you a really quick shout out on that one, because I think that that's a, that's a big deal. And it, it was a very innovative thing that you did and, and continue to do going forward. I uh, appreciate that. Well, yeah, I mean, a picture is worth a thousand words, and, you know, there's such a numbers phobia in large swaths of, of the, the basketball-watching population that just seeing the pictures is is really, really helpful um, for contextualizing it, for making it more accessible. Um, so all, all the things you said, like, that's exactly what we've been going for. So it's great to hear that. What a... When, when introducing the website to the general public, kind of what gave you the idea to make that website public? And what are some of the goals that you had when introducing some of your new metrics like TPA to the public, like the FATS calculator? Uh, what were some of the things that you really wanted to accomplish with that? Um, that's a great question. I wish I had a, a solid answer here. From a personal standpoint, 
my my basketball fandom has largely been rooted in an appreciation for the history of the sport. And so I like to watch things and look at what's happening. And by founding NBA math and, and trying to, to popularize some of these statistics, the ultimate goal was to be able to have better conversations, not just about what's happening in the NBA today, but how it relates to what's previously happened. So I care more the all-time TPA database and those rolling team ratings that show what happened in 1987 than I do about the nuances of what's happening today, which are very much important and definitely help color our, our, our analysis. But without the history for it to be rooted in, it just it doesn't mean as much. So it was originally geared towards providing tools that help us have that conversation. 100%. And, and when you're talking about uh, reaching new fans with this, uh, I'm personally, I am 21, uh, going on 22 in a few days. Uh, so I just haven't been alive for, for a lot of the eras that, that you guys reference and that a lot of some of the older basketball analysts on TV will reference in the in the 70s or the 80s or even the 90s honestly I didn't start watching basketball until about the mid 2000s just because how could I uh but uh it's really informational I think it's a really interesting way of comparing eras and and while not necessarily comparing individual teams from those eras uh, just because so many things change and so many things uh, will vary over the course of time. Uh, just really excited about what you guys are doing, and I definitely would love to see NBA math continue to grow for grow even more. Uh, you guys have put together a couple of projects as well. You specifically have, have really directed a lot of these. One that I participated in, and one that I hope to participate maybe in the future is the historical basketball draft that was done over the summer. Uh, if you, if any NBA fans are are interested in in how uh, how certain players and their certain seasons, like their best seasons of all time, kind of stack up uh, against each other, we Adam put together a great. Uh, a great setup with 30 GMs and we all drafted in kind of a fantasy format, those different players. I had a lot of fun with it. I represented the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Adam represented the Denver Nuggets. Uh, lots of great stuff there. And uh, I thought it was a really interesting exercise in just giving some perspective to current day fans on how strong the game is in today's NBA and but also giving credence to the fans and the players of NBA past. Yeah, I think I think one of the most fun things about that project, which I'm, I'm still so glad you were able to, particip- to uh, participate in, was just seeing what everyone did. Where is a George Mike going to go? When is Bob Cousy going to get drafted? Because we were trying to evaluate everything through 2018 context. So it's, it's one thing to, to look at the numbers that these legends put up during their actual playing days. It's another to try to evaluate changing rules, changing athletic abilities, changing styles, and, and figure out what they would do as players and, and how they would how they would end up performing. Uh, I think we saw a lot of legends slip deeper into the draft than we originally expected, which was a great thing because 
there isn't any defined way of evaluating how that's going to happen, and it ultimately is a subjective way different way things differently and have varying methodologies. So uh, it was. I had a great time doing it. Uh, I hope that everyone else had a great time doing it. And if we do anything similar, I, I can assure you that we're uh, we're going to bring you back for that if you're willing. Well, I know that I had the the most controversial picks in the first two rounds between my selection of MVP Russell Westbrook and then my selection of Sean Marion from the Phoenix Suns era. I thought those were those were some interesting selections on my part that I wasn't necessarily planning on getting into and then caught a lot of flack from people, even though it seemed to really work out at the end. So uh, lots of different ways that people like approach that that exercise. And it just goes to show just how strong the NBA has has gotten over recent years, uh, how how much faster and much more explosive the game has been and, and just different ways that it's changed up uh, again you can you can track all of these things on nba math and and i urge people that are listening to this podcast to go check that out for sure all right so to close the program i'd like to just get your general opinions on the nuggets this season uh 14 and 7 on the year uh just had a great win over the Los Angeles Lakers uh top 10 offense top 10 defense so far uh what are your opinions on the nuggets so far and and just was it something that you expected from them I think my most important opinion is that the jerseys they wore tonight the white ones with no backdrop are the best jerseys in the NBA right now Absolutely. Curious for your take on that before we dive into serious stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they they are remarkable. I I remember I actually got a little bit of an inside scoop on those jerseys and when I saw them they were just absolute fire. I it was it's hard to bottle that up for sure, but those are a great ode to the years past in the nug in the Nuggets history with the the rainbow skylines and it's a great kind of modern take on that i don't know if it's better than the miami vice uniforms but those are those are probably the two single best uniforms in the nba today i mean just to even be in the same conversation as the miami vice ones is a success <laughs> but yeah so on, on a uh, on a more serious note i think my my biggest takeaway so far has just been the defense and i, I don't think anyone really saw this coming aside from maybe Paul Millsap, um, who I think predicted such a, a remarkable defensive turnaround before the season started. But it's it's amazing to me how drastically the schemes have shifted and how much everyone has, bought, has, has talked a lot about the second efforts and, and sticking with the plays. And we've really seen that from almost everyone on the roster. And by doing that, it's also freed people up to, to fix some of the previous hidden weaknesses like the the last couple iterations of this team notoriously avoided gambling and they finished 22nd or 24th in opponents turnover percentage last year they're up into the top half this year because guys are, are a little bit more active and a little bit more willing to throw their hands in there even without fouling no absolutely i have subtle and, and more overarching differences it's it's really it's really interesting that you say that. I think one of the reasons and and you touched on it a little bit before when talking about Jokic was just being a little bit more aggressive at the point of attack. 
uh, has has not only forced Jokic to be more engaged, but forced the players behind him to be even more engaged and play on even more of a string. Uh, Paul Millsap has obviously been been incredible, uh, but in addition to that, Gary Harris, though he is currently out, has been a pest uh, for opposing ball handlers. And while he's he's been dealing with some injuries that have that have slowed down him defensively just a little bit, he's he's still a top-notch defensive player in the NBA, in my opinion. Uh, Juancho Hernan Gomez has been extremely surprising, but the main guy that, that I don't think anybody really saw this coming from was Mason Plumley. Oh, my God. Uh, Mason Plumley, before tonight against the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, had a 95 defensive rating, which if you if you track NBA defensive ratings and, and net ratings in general, 95 is absurd. It is far and away the best mark for any NBA center. And I, I just find it very fascinating that a, a team with Mason Plumley at center, Trey Lyles, who's not necessarily known for his uh, defense in, in, for any stretch of the word, really, uh, Malik Beasley playing the small ball three, Jamal Murray playing kind of a, in a shooting guard role, hasn't been really known to play defense extremely well during his career and then Monty Morris who's a a small diminutive kind of point guard although very smart that unit is is just absurd and it's it's really captained by Mason Plumley this year so tip your cap to him uh he has absolutely earned the contract that he signed a couple of off seasons ago have you have you seen stuff something similar in in Mason Plumley's game and are there any other players that that have really stood out on the defensive end this year yeah, I think Plumley, as you said, has definitely earned that contract. He's also made it abundantly clear that he was not fully healthy last year, just because we're seeing so much more activity on defense. Um, and I think it's it's really notable that he can kind of function as like a Jokic simulacrum on offense with his distributing ability, while also so like that that just adds so much to that second unit or when he's playing with some starters. Um, he's he's definitely been the most impressive, unexpected addition to, uh, to the, the, the key part of this, of this rotation. Uh, Morris as well, as you mentioned. But I, I'm particularly impressed with Hernan Gomez just stepping into the starting lineup and, and functioning so seamlessly. He can, it seems like he's kind of the, the true Swiss Army knife on this team where he can fill so many different roles capably and he's willing to do whatever is necessary on whatever night depending on, on the matchups and is so key i love wancho man he's uh he is uh one of my favorite players to watch simply because it's very clear that he understands the game on both ends of the floor and while he does have uh, some physical uh limitations on the defensive end some physical and and skill limitations on the offensive end he just knows how to play the game and he has the purest shot on the Nuggets by far, in my opinion. And and that's on a team with, with Gary Harris, Jamal Murray, and Nikola Jokic, uh, which I think is should should say a lot to people. Uh, so moving moving back to Jokic a little bit, uh, how likely do you think it is that he represents the Nuggets in the All-Star game this season? Oh, man. Um, you know, I, I really haven't dug into what I think the All-Star teams are going to look like just because there's an overwhelming amount of talent, especially in the Western Conference. Um, I think that 
we're probably looking at a situation similar to last year where he could very well be one of the final additions to the roster, but it's probably equally likely that he's left off, even though it seems like more and more people are on board with just how much value he brings to the Nuggets. There are so many bigger names, and it's ultimately a popularity contest. I, I, I don't think it's in any way likely that he surpasses Anthony Davis for a starting nod, which means that we're looking at coaches' selections, and coaches tend to be loyal to the tried-and-true players, and it's it's hard to see in there. So I don't think there's any question that he's going to be deserving of an all-star spot, but it's it really feels like it's still going to be a toss-up as to whether he's actually included on the roster. Sure. Uh, totally, totally agree there. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me in any way if he was left off, but I have to imagine that coaches they they will reward winning in my opinion and and have done so in the past i i remember the the eastern conference all-stars from a few years ago that featured four atlanta hawks players just because they were all deserving and and that team was far and away the best team in the eastern conference at the time so i would i would expect the nuggets to get at least a little respect from that regard uh, that they should at least earn one all-star and it wouldn't surprise me in any way if it was Jokic simply because he is the focal point he is he plays the center position where he doesn't he isn't kind of uh, pigeonholed into a backcourt position where Jamal Murray would have to fight for uh, real estate with Stephen Curry Damian Lillard and and a whole slew of other guards, James Harden, Chris Paul, guys like that. Uh, you can you can find it a little bit easier to slot Jokic in, in my opinion. Uh, and again, he's averaging the third most assists per game all time for a center, so that has to count for something, right? Oh, absolutely. Definitely see a a situation where maybe like. They're trending towards 45 or 50 wins, and coaches feel like somebody has to get there, and Jamal Murray ends up being the selection just because he's leading the team of, of that if he has another 48-point game or something like that. But it, it would it would be a travesty if Jokic was not the representative given Denver only getting one guy on the team. Yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see. it. Uh, just for the love of God, Lakers fans, just stay out of the polls and, and do not vote in JaVale McGee as the <sighs> defensive player of the year. Uh, because that's that's going to throw me for a loop, man. Uh, all right. Well, moving a little bit forward, uh, Nuggets again. They're fourteen and seven through twenty-one games. I think they're on pace to win fifty-three. Uh, do you have any record or seeding prediction for the Nuggets this year? Does does fifty-three sound right? That seems pretty high, even even kind of seeing just how they're on pace for that right now. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they got to 53. I think I think I'll I'll be safe and, and say around 50 and maybe like the third seed in the West, um, which would still be a phenomenal season. But you know, as as good as they've been, they're they're doing this with missing pieces. You know, Will Barton is such a, a vital asset to this team given his shot creation abilities. Uh, Gary Harris missed anything from Isaiah Thomas and Michael Porter. I don't know if we're going to this season, but more depth isn't going to hurt. So as as well as they've played with growth on both, uh, really on the defensive end, that seems fully sustainable at this point. I, I don't see any reasons to expect any major regression. So as as amazing as it seems that 
feels like almost a baseline prediction now. I think that's where I'm at. It's insane. It's uh, I thought I was going out on a limb by predicting 50 wins this year uh, at the beginning of the year, but but now it it seems to look more and more like that could absolutely be a reality. So. Uh, really interesting stuff. You mentioned the rotation. Uh, just a couple more questions before I get you out of here. Uh, mentioned the rotation. Hypothetically, you you give everybody on this team a clean bill of health. So that means Will Barton is back. Isaiah Thomas is back. Michael Porter Jr. We'll say he's he's cleared for rotation minutes, not necessarily starter minutes. And then Jared Vanderbilt is also cleared for rotation minutes, not starter minutes. Uh how do you fit those guys in? What do you do if you're Michael Malone trying to blend the guys that are uh, that are clearly could help you, but also could upstart or kind of upset the the balance of the rotation that has pretty clearly won the Nuggets a fair amount of games over the course of the past few. So we've seen Porter play what two or three games above the high school level. So I'm sending him to the G League until I know what I can expect from him. Right. And I'm just friends at this point until Morris slips. Because Monty Morris has been absolutely phenomenal on offense. He's been such a steadying presence with his ball handling, which is an area that Jamal Murray still needs some improvement in. Take him out of the rotation right now, especially with Thomas coming off a pretty miserable season and still needing to prove that he can regain that former glory with a healed up hip. Yeah, I I can't really argue with that. Do you think uh, Do you think Isaiah Thomas would be amenable to that? No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> I, I've not really gotten the sense from him that he's the kind of guy who wants to take a back seat to a de facto rookie. Um, but that might not be his choice. It's going to be interesting. It's I'm I'm really looking forward to uh, really looking forward to seeing how Malone handles that. All right, last one here. Do you have a hot take for us on the Nuggets Numbers podcast for Nuggets fans? Is there a hot take that you have for the Nuggets this season? Um, a hot take for the Nuggets this season. I think that we. We are going to see Hernan Gomez continue to start even when everyone else is healthy because he fits in so well with the other key pieces in the lineup. And guys like Barton are skills that are going to fit better and elevate the second unit more than he would. Incredible. I that's a that's a big one. I I think uh, one of the sticking points with bringing back Will Barton was that he would at least have an opportunity this year to be the the starting small forward. So it would be a big deal if if Wancho kept his starting spot. I I am I am fascinated to see if that comes to fruition or or what Malone does if in fact the Nuggets are playing really well because why would you upset the balance of power in, in this case? Uh, uh, but again, like somebody has to, somebody has to shift, and then if it's Wancho to the bench, then that probably makes sense. If it's Malik Beasley just removing himself from the rotation and uh, and Will Barton absorbing all of those minutes, then that makes sense too, honestly. So, really fascinating stuff. All right, well. If you don't have any more thoughts, Adam, then I think that we'll probably call it quits there. Uh, anything anything on your mind, Nuggets related? I was just trying to bring the heat for you on that last prediction. I, I don't know <laughs> what the percentage chance of that actually happening is going to be. 
see it makes sense. So we'll see. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing if that comes to fruition. That's that's a big one that 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 made me that made me gape openly a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well. Adam, thanks so much for coming on. I, I really appreciate having you on to talk uh, talk about the Nuggets, talk about NBA math. Uh, he is at Fromal09 uh, on Twitter, so make sure to go follow him over there. Uh, follow his work on Bleacher Report. Follow his work on NBA math. A lot of great content that he's putting out on a consistent basis. So, Adam, thanks so much for coming on, man. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. All right, well, we will talk in a couple weeks, Nuggets fans.